So, Mark. Yes. I want to talk about something that happens at the beginning of this movie. Okay. Specifically, we see a movie that comes out in 2008, but the first scene is set in 1998. Right. And they CGI de-aged Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, it was very disconcerting. It was weird, and I was wondering how you feel about that whole phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things they did, apparently, was to shave him completely. because His whole body. His whole body. He's hairless from the ears down. 22-year-olds have no body hair, even when their, like, 33-year-old version is... At least moderately hairy. Yeah, Meredith from The Parent Trap would be into Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, for sure. But Um, this is the thing that we're seeing more and more. Like, Ant-Man and the Wasp started out with de-aged Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas. I haven't seen that one. That sounds uncomfortable. The weirdest one is Captain America Civil War. One of the first scenes is de-aged Robert Downey Jr. Oh my god, don't forget Tron Legacy with the de-aged, um, oh my god, who is it? I have not seen Tron Legacy. Oh, Jeff Bridges? Yeah, the original Tron. Whoa. Well, not he's not Tron. That's like saying the original Zelda. (laughs) No, like, I think he's Tron's human person. I have not seen Tron. Me neither. Okay. I There's a uh, Kingdom Hearts game with the Tron level, and that is the source of most of my Tron knowledge. So what do you think of this, of like CGI changing the ages of actors? It never works going younger, but going older is usually okay. So I know you haven't seen it, but I think the Ant-Man stuff works pretty well, and it's like kind of unsettling. It really? is unsettling that it doesn't really stand out. See, that also is a problem with going down, because we're so used to people being aged up, even in makeup, that it's out of uncanny valley but it's gonna take a while before even successful de-aging is not uncanny valley i think we're almost there we're close then you get the whole other thing of just animating in people who were not there like in rogue one wait who wasn't there oh peter oh my god Cushing. yeah that was so weird uh, the weirdest thing about him is his legs don't look quite right so he's okay as long as he's from the waist up but cgi peter cushing has weird legs we need to be stopped as a society it's creepy it's creepy we have too much power Yeah. This is the future we were warned about. It is. Let's go back to just blowing up trains on tracks and calling that the most dramatic CGI. Ugh, that's the best. Uh, Speaking of dark timelines, should we talk about this movie? Ugh. I, if you insist, William. The sooner we talk about it, the sooner we'll be done talking about it. Just remember, even though it was in honor of me, you were the one that forced us to watch this. Well, it was in the stack of DVDs. <laughs> I'm glad you only spent a single dollar on this, because any more would have been a huge waste of money. It was the correct number of dollars. It was. Okay, it's time for Heart of Fondness. I'm Mark and I'm Yay. And I'm Will and I'm a Ginger, and this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there. And as we said this week, Mark, we are doing this movie in honor of you. This is you. This is a celebration of Mark. I hate everything about that sentence. (laughs) This movie was a train wreck from start to finish. I've never felt more uncomfortable watching a movie... And I refuse to adopt the mantle of Patrick Dempsey's character, whatever his freaking name is. This is our third Patrick Dempsey movie, and it's the worst of them by far. By far. What was our second one? Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, God, yeah, this is even worse. This is worse than that. Even though it has the same thing where the, like, other guy has no faults. Yeah. (laughs) Like, where they just fail to introduce any reason that you no longer root for him. Except that you don't root for him to begin with. Like, the thing with Sweet Home Alabama is that they introduce us with Reese Witherspoon and Patrick Dempsey together, and you're like, this seems great. Yeah. Whereas this movie, they start with them and are, like, setting them up to be together, and then they're like, here's this rando from Scotland. Okay, yeah, but the rando is amazing, because I would have married him for that whiskey money alone. (laughs) The whiskey money. He's a duke. He's a freaking duke, and she's like, no, I'm gonna marry Patrick. Patrick Dempsey instead, even though he is also rich. Yeah. So she can't go wrong. He's the wealthy inventor of the cardboard sleeve for coffee mugs. Which honestly is something that sounds like it would be a thing where the person would be obscenely wealthy. Right. So that is three cents every time someone uses one. (laughs) No, in high school, I knew the granddaughter of the inventor of Tiger Balm and boy, could you tell. Really? Yeah. So anyway, 
as we have alluded to, the movie we're discussing today is 2008's Made of Honor. That's made M-A-D-E. Mark, can you explain to me what this title means? <laughs> no, because he's not very honorable. It also doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's literally just... It's a pun for pun's sake. Yeah, there's no attempt to explain it in the movie either. Also, the fact they call him the Maid of Honor the whole movie instead of the obvious substitution of Man of Honor. Like, it's just it's so just weird. Weird. This title doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and the whole, like, idea behind his freak out, like, oh, I can't be the maid of honor, I'm a man, is just so weird. And then I was watching it, and I was like, hey, I'm gonna be a maid of honor, and then I was, you know, like, ugh. And every time they said that, everyone was like, oh, he's gay. And I was like, hey, well, I mean, (laughs) hey, (laughs) still hey, still hey, straight men can be maid of honors, too. Absolutely. Maids of honor, excuse me. Yeah, if you need maids of honor for your wedding hit us up we'll be happy to fill in yeah and we we'll throw do a better job parties than patrick dempsey because we won't try to steal you it's true so anyway this movie as we said it stars patrick dempsey and michelle monaghan and it was directed by paul wayland who has not made a movie since and i feel like that is correct <laughs> yeah that's a good choice <laughs> he'd mostly done tv things before that uh probably his most prominent movie up to that point was city slickers 2 the legend of curly's gold <laughs> If that's his most prominent movie, it says a lot. I have not seen. I do really like the original City Slickers, though. It's a fun little flick. Will, why is this movie a thing? This movie? Why does it exist? I'm sorry. I can't stop thinking about that. That's a really good question. I cannot answer it. I can tell you that the story was written by a guy named Adam Stikiel. S-Z-T-Y-K-I-E-L, who is also the author of Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip. Apropos of Will leaving on his hashtag road chip tomorrow. I'm about to go on a road chip myself. Uh, The other writers are Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. They're a writing team. Their biggest things besides this are the movie Leap Year, in which Amy Adams goes to Ireland to get a man, and Josie and the Pussycats, which they also directed. So apparently they're obsessed with traveling to the British Isles to find love. A little bit. Apparently that's the only place love exists in their mind. This movie is bananas. It is. And like, I feel like we should probably just start talking about it. We'll cover the whole plot of the movie with our points this yeah, time. Yeah, we will. There's just one or two other things I want to mention. This movie was originally rated R. Why? The official listing from the MPAA was some sex-related material. They went back, they made some changes, they lowered it. Which is weird because for a movie that is kind of blanket offensive constantly, it's also very tame Yeah, constantly. Oh, yeah. But there was one interview with Patrick Dempsey where he mentioned a nude locker room scene. And we do see a waist-up locker room scene, but I wonder if there was more. Was there, like, actual dong in this movie originally? It'd be a better movie. Probably. Um, it cost $40 million to make. It wound up making $46 million domestic, so not amazing. Yeah. It opened on May 2nd, 2008, which means that it opened opposite one of the biggest movies of the summer. Which one? Iron Man. Ah, yes. A better film. A much better film that we've done for this show. I know. Yeah, and that movie, of course, like we said back in January, was a movie that people did not expect to do as well as it actually did. But its success probably did hurt Maid of Honor a little bit. And the movie that wound up knocking Maid of Honor out of the top ten was the second Marvel Studios release a month later, The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton. Oh, right. Which one is the bad one? Um. Or are they both bad? I have not seen the Ang Lee Hulk. Okay. I have a copy of it on DVD. I will watch it one day. That is the one that has the worst reputation. I would say the problem with the Edward Norton one is that it's boring. Yeah. And like the central challenge of any Hulk story is that audiences want to see the Hulk. Right. But Bruce Banner does not want to be the Hulk. So the audience is effectively rooting against the protagonist for the entirety of the movie. And you have to find weird ways to play with that. Unless he's always mad. That's true. I think this is a movie that I keep citing because it's good, but I think the movie that does it best is Thor Ragnarok, which is kind of a sleeper Hulk movie where they turn the fact that Banner doesn't want to be the Hulk into one of the central jokes of the movie. So they play with that expectation. Ah, yes. Humor. What an effective tool. (laughs) If only this movie had learned about proper humor. Oh, yeah. Are there any jokes that work in this movie? Um, maybe? No. No, there are not. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that this movie thinks work doesn't. And speaking of, let's start talking about our points. Yeah. And I took a leaf out of Fiona's book from our Parent Trap episode. We are going to start with a point zero. And point zero is Cornell 1998. God, I hated watching this scene. This is an interesting scene. It's Halloween night at Cornell in 98. And we start off with Patrick Dempsey 
in a Bill Clinton mask, wandering around campus, saying hey to all of the people dressed up as Monica Lewinsky, which was probably a thing on college campuses in 1998. Yeah. But still feels very distasteful. Yeah, especially coming from, like, the 2018 perspective that we are now living, this scene is extra painful to watch. Right, so he's made the whole movie start off on such a bad foot, and I don't think I felt comfortable for the rest of the film. It definitely starts you off with a sour taste in your mouth. And so he is kind of like wandering around saying hey to people with his Bill Clinton mask on, and he goes into a dorm. He's like fumbling around. He's like, where'd she say the key was? So we're clear that he's like meeting somebody that he's talked to, and he finds a key above the door, lets himself in. It's dark. Somebody's in bed. He starts taking off his clothes. Yeah, and so he strips down to his... He's wearing his boxers and his Bill Clinton mask. Yeah, and gets into bed with this person who is asleep and wakes up with this strange man in her bed. In a Bill Clinton mask. In a Bill Clinton mask. Like a creepy rubber mask. Rightly freaks the fuck out. Yeah, she starts spraying perfume at him to get him off. Yeah. It's getting in his eyes. And she's like, what the heck? What are you doing here? And he's like, I thought you were my roommate. Where's the girl who was dressed as Monica Lewinsky? Whose real name he doesn't know. Right. He knows her as Monica. Yeah. And the girl in the bed is like, that's my roommate. She is not here. And he goes, oh, like she said that you would be in the library because you're a total geek. So I assumed that if someone was in here, it would have been Monica. Yeah. Because apparently geeks on Halloween spend all night in the library instead of just also maybe going to bed. A consideration the roommate never had, apparently. Yeah, so I think the roommate definitely bears some of the blame here. Uh, most of it, honestly. Yeah, and then we make a cut to now he's, like, cleaning out his eyes. Weirdly, she let him hang around after that. Yeah, she, like, brings him to their weirdly nice common room. Right. With, like, full bookshelves. It looks like an apartment. It does, and so he's flushing his eyes out in a water fountain, and she's, like, drinking tea, and they're hanging out. Yeah, so they're just, like, hanging out Why are you here? So the girl in the bed was Michelle Monaghan, also younger than real life. Yeah. And he's making comments like, I'm going to be so careful who I get in bed with now. And it's like, that is a good realization to come to. Yeah. And she identifies him as a senior who preys on freshmen. Yeah. Again, still uncomfortable. This is our hero. His name's above the title. Yeah. This is the person we root for. Also, it should be noted, he's wearing a very ugly earring. Well, that's part of the CGI. They did that on the computer. (laughs) Um, he explains his whole doggy bowl look theory, saying that you can tell when a girl likes someone because she makes a face like when a dog sees a bowl. This never comes back. It's just here so that she can, like, get mad at him for saying she looks like a dog. Yeah, the more important point is that he establishes that he's honest. Right. He's always honest. Right. He doesn't around he doesn't lie to spare people's feelings he's a straight shooter and boy is it painful to watch yes this movie has no subtlety no there's not a single subtle moment in this movie my favorite thing about this movie is that there's a whole thing about how he like doesn't say i love you to people but he says i love you to every dog that he passes i did like that because also his reaction to dogs was the only relatable part of his character it's so ham-handed every time he says i love you to a dog i'm like are you kidding me It's over the top, but it's also something I have done, so I can't judge the movie too hard. Anyway, Michelle Monaghan gives a whole speech about how he shouldn't be so cocky because she's been studying the golden ratio in his art classes, and his facial features are all over the place. Yeah, basically says, you're ugly, which with the CGI he is. Yeah, and he goes, no one's ever been that honest with me before, so now we've got the honesty going both ways. Yeah. And she says, it's called a friend, which is a weird thing to say here. Yeah. She walks him back to his room, which is apparently in the same building? It appears to be. It did, and... Which is strange, given that it's a freshman and a senior. Maybe he's an RA, which makes the creeping on freshmen even creepier. That would make it worse. But is also believable. Yeah. Oh, that happens. Yeah. So that's kind of where we leave it. He opens the door to his room. Yeah. There's a girl in there waiting, and she's like, have fun with that. Bye! No, they go back to her room, because there's her roommate comes back. That's And what she's really drunk. And then she leaves and says, have fun with that. Yes. And he's like, let's get you to bed, because she's throwing up. Right. She's, yeah. Gross drunk. And then we cut to shots of New York City with Sarah Bareilles' classic love, <laughs> love song. <laughs> the, the song drops in this movie are hilarious. Yeah. Again. Not intentionally hilarious, but hilarious. Again, no subtlety at all. So we get... A 10-year jump, which brings us to our real point number one. So, every Sunday, Patrick... Tom. Tom. And Michelle... Michelle Monaghan? Yeah. Her character's name 
is Hannah. I really should start writing these down like you do. It's a palindrome, which is a thing that he mentions when he learns her name, and is also a thing I think every time I meet a Hannah. Well, every Sunday, these two have, like, a routine, a tradition. Well, first you see him in bed, in bed with, with this blonde, blonde floozy. Yeah. And she's like, what are you doing tonight? And he says, oh no, I don't do back-to-backs, because he doesn't see girls two nights in a row, which reminded me of the big sick. Me too, I wrote that in my rule. notes, yeah. And he also says, you know I have rules and you're like oh my god he's so honest about his rules he has so many rules he has so many rules so then he goes to starbucks gets a coffee gets a phone number from a gets girl a at phone the coffee number shop. for another girl makes a joke about the fact that he invented the coffee collar and then goes and meets up with michelle monaghan who's working on a sunday yeah at her job she does like art restoration yeah art restoration at the met it's a pretty cool job. It is a cool job. And so then they go drink their coffee and eat lunch and shop for antiques and then get desserts at a bakery. And They've it's got all this routine that they go through every week. It's... Yeah. We find out that this guy, Dan, has been writing Hannah letters trying to get her to move to Canada and marry him. They've yeah. been broken up for over a year and a half. Creepy. Yep. He invites her to go to his dad's wedding with him, which is also this day. Yeah. And she's... She's like, I'm not going to another one of your dad's weddings. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, why don't you bring one of your, uh, f- like... Floozies. Floozies, essentially. And he says, you know the rule. No family events. Another rule. More rules. And in this moment, he pets a dog and says, I love you. And she's like, you should try saying that to a human sometime. And I'm like, you know, I bet by the end of this movie, he will never have done that. Yeah, that seems like something you wouldn't expect out of this movie at all. Then this becomes a running thing. She winds up going to the wedding yes. of his dad, Sidney Pollock. Yeah. In Sidney Pollock's last film appearance during his lifetime. Oh, yeah. man. It's and his sixth wedding, I believe? Yeah. Yes, because they keep saying fifth, and then his lawyer, who is Tom's friend, says sixth every time. Right. And his dad actually tells Tom that he should act on Hannah. He's like, you should get on that, or she might be my seventh. Which is creepy. It's weird. So they're at the wedding, and then you go to the reception where they're playing Gold Digger by Kanye West. Another interesting needle drop which is as subtle as she wants your money right at the wedding he calls hannah an i love you slut saying she says it too much yeah and then his new stepmom who is like 20 years old comes up and is flirting with him at the reception again pretty aggressively uncomfortable Because everything about this movie is, everything that's supposed to be a joke is just unseemly. Yeah, I wrote, I'm still uncomfortable every time something uncomfortable happened, and I wrote it like ten times. Yeah. One of Sidney Pollock's employees shows up, like, stalking Tom because she's obsessed with him. She has a website called allthingstom.org. I checked, not a real website. (laughs) And Tom grabs Hannah and starts dancing to try to avoid her. And while they're dancing, Hannah reveals that she'd actually thought he was kind of cute that night back at Cornell and she thought he was cute until he referred to her as being like a dog and he said well in my defense I wanted to sleep with you but he hasn't tried since because he likes having her in his life another thing that will never come back there's so many things that should be callbacks but are just dropped yeah i mean it's all like implied callbacks yeah so then we cut to their next it's still sun- the same day i think i think it's like supposed to be a, a week series later. Of i think it's like their next sunday okay i also don't think the wedding is on the same day i think they're just as clear on time as whatever movie we made jokes about unclearness on time legally blonde we talked about legally blonde how you can never tell what time of day it is which yeah. comes up in this movie too when michelle monaghan is in scotland and he calls her at one point and it's like the dead of night there and it's sunny day in new york well that's called time zones the time zones aren't different enough for that for it to be like bright sunny day and 3 a.m in scotland that's true maybe she's just really sleepy and closed her blackout curtain she checks the clock <laughs> oh this movie yeah bad with time just like legally blonde so anyway this next time we see them they're walking through a park and Hannah announces that she's... Oh, ha- no, it is, because they're still wearing the same clothes. Yeah. Apparently it's... the reception went all night. And I they're guess. still so sober. Maybe it's sunrise. Yeah. And Hannah tells him that she's headed to Scotland for an acquisitions trip, and she's going to be gone for six weeks. And he's like, whoa, six Sundays. And he, like, jokes like he stands up on the edge of the bridge, and she's like, take this seriously. You need to grow up, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. I will never ask you to do that again, except I will every time I see you. Yeah. This is, like, a weird piece in the like 2008 tradition of like dudes who need to grow up rom-coms yeah like something like knocked up 
it's not framed like that, but it has kind of the same themes going on. Oh, yeah, that definitely makes sense. So... Hannah goes to Scotland. Hannah goes to Scotland. I will say, with Patrick Dempsey, with Tom, he is very supportive. He is. He is sad. He's, like, expressing sadness when he makes the joke about jumping, but he is very supportive of her Yeah, he's excited for her. He tells her it's going to be great. Yeah. He's a good friend to Hannah. He is. He's a dirtbag. He's a dirtbag to women, but he actually is a decent friend. Yeah. To all of his friends, really. Yeah. Actually, I hated all of his other friends. They're they're not good people, but no. they <laughs> support each other, I guess. I guess. But yeah, that does bring us to point oh, number two. One more thing about the supportiveness of Tom and Hannah. Tom brings her coffee. And this is just a message to all people who make movies and TV shows. You can put liquid in cups. It doesn't have to be coffee. Coffee weighs the same as water. But if you put water in a coffee cup, people will hold it. Like it's a real drink. Yeah, this is very guilty of that. One of my favorite games to play watching movies is like watching cups and being like, oh, that cup is empty. They're yeah. going to pretend to drink from it. Also, another thing that shows how supportive he is, is he has her super complicated order memorized. Yes. That's another one of the like. It reminded me of the orders points. in When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, we get to point number two. Right. Where now Hannah is in Scotland. As her plane is about to take off, she's looking at a picture of him on her flip, of the two of them on their flip phone. Yeah, she's the background on his cell phone, her cell phone. Yeah, a picture of the two of them. Yeah. Meanwhile, we see Tom playing basketball with his buddies. Have you? Because the only way that dudes can talk about their emotions is through sports or video games. Have you seen They Came Together? I have not. With Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler? No, I've seen the poster. So it's a parody of rom-coms, and they have a scene where Paul Rudd is actually playing basketball with his, like, friends, and one of them's like, I'm the black guy that's been in a stable relationship my whole life. Which is a thing in this movie. And each of them have, like, the exact same roles, I think think it might be a direct parody of this but also more general but each of them like they're playing basketball and they say like well i'm a sleazeball who sleeps with all the women blah 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 and i was just like oh my god i'm just watching this terrible parody of rom-coms come to life yeah because that's basically what this is they're talking about the merits of marriage as they play basketball and one guy's going on about how like it's the best thing like if you're not getting married you're missing out on the best parts of your life and then another guy's like no i'm just sleeping with different women on all the time and that's the best and then tom's like well i've got the best of both worlds because i sleep with all these women and then i still get to hang out with hannah and that's awesome and then his friends point out that she clearly doesn't like that of course because women can't be friends with men without wanting to sleep with them no of course not women all want to get married this yeah. is what we learned in down with love yeah so all hannah is not a down with love girl no hannah wants to get married to tom is what they're implying and he goes through a whole realization where he does want to be with her Yeah, and so now he's, like, calling her up in Scotland and has nothing real to say. I notice she says I love you when she hangs up that phone call. Because she's, as he put it, an I love you slut. Oh, no, what a crime to tell your friends you love them. Yeah, it's gross. Meanwhile, we see them, like, trying to talk on the phone through this whole trip, but they can rarely get a good signal. We see him wandering the streets of New York wistfully. At one point, he helps two old people in a rowboat get out into a lake. Yeah. Which is weird. Where are they? (laughs) I don't remember that part. I guess, okay, to be honest, watching this movie, I was so not into it that I did just, like, get up and make myself tea and stuff without pausing it, even though I was watching it for a podcast. My reaction was the opposite. I kept pausing it so I could be not watching it for a while, (laughs) but that just made it take longer to watch. Yeah, see, I went the route of just not pausing it so that it went faster and i didn't have to watch it that said when i was done i wouldn't bike like 14 miles because i was like i need to believe in earth again (laughs) but so while she's gone he decides that he's going to maintain his sunday routine but try doing it with different women so he's taking girls to the place where they get lunch or taking girls to the bakery and it's just never quite as fulfilling they don't click the way that he does with hannah and so he meets up with his basketball group again and they're playing basketball and being men so we know that we can trust them as men even though they have feelings right because men who don't sports but have feelings they're suspect yeah so he confesses to them that his game is off which we see he like can't play basketball right anymore oh no and it's because he has feelings for hannah and they're like oh you want to get married because clearly that's the next step yeah 
it's not just dating to see whether you guys work as a couple. It's obviously straight to marriage. And he's like, no, I don't want to marry her. I just want to be with her, which honestly is set up by the movie as like, oh, what a cheap, like, failure to commit. And I'm like, this, this seems is the logical more move. logical right now. <laughs> you should date first to make sure you would work. The movie is actively trying to lower this movie's score. Yeah. It's fighting its own ranking. <laughs> yeah. And so he's planning to tell her when she gets back from Scotland and he gets a call from her she leaves a voicemail that's like yo i'm landing today cancel whatever it is you're doing tonight we're getting dinner and he's like all right and he dresses up fancy and he buys some flowers and he's like we're gonna go get some dinner and i'm gonna tell her i'm in love with her and it's gonna be great nothing could possibly go wrong except for two of the most dramatic falls in a movie (laughs) yeah he's walking through the restaurant which is bustling yes and he keeps just crashing into people and, like, totally, and like, face He does the full, at one point, he does the full both legs in the air before his whole body crashes down. There were down. several full body falls from Patrick Dempsey in this movie. Yeah. This is, like, a pretty lazy Patrick Dempsey performance. That is their attempt at a joke. Like, that is the level of joke that they're going for. He is, fell down! He fell down! But that's not all that goes wrong at the restaurant. No, so... They get to dinner, and at first, like, Hannah sees him and smiles, and it's like, going to see him, and then she's like, oh, wait, like, she forgot something, like, I don't know her purse, and turns back to the bar to get her, I don't know, her purse or her phone or something, and then she grabs a man's arm and pulls him along? Whoa! And so, earlier, when they were trying to talk on the phone and it wasn't working... Hannah had been stuck in a flock of sheep in, in a, a thunderstorm. In a thunderstorm in her car. And you see in the distance on a man Scottish ride coastline. up on a horse. And then <laughs> you find out <laughs> that this man on the horse is now her fiance. What? <laughs> this dude, his name is Colin. He's Scottish. We later find out that he is the heir to the largest Scotch distillery. Right. In Scotland. It, yeah. And he's also a duke, and his family owns four castles? Yeah. And their summer castle, where they go, is the smallest of them. Well, yes, there's a summer castle, and then, as somebody from Scotland explains, they also have an autumn castle, and a winter castle, and a spring castle. And so, Tom is rightly astonished, and she tells the whole story about how he rescued her from a thunderstorm where she's surrounded by cows, and after a month of roaming around Europe together, when she's supposed to be acquiring art, and I assume she does some of that as well. I mean, to acquire art, you probably do need to roam. True. And clearly he's a duke, so he can just roam with her. Right. So after a month of wandering Europe, it's about time for her to leave And he's like, I couldn't bear to see her go. So I asked her to marry me and she said yes. And they're like, and we can't expect our friends to go to Scotland because like, that's hard. So we're just going to get married in two weeks. Which is is also another weird choice because shouldn't they give them time to save up the few people that they want to invite? Yes. This timeline is even shorter than the parent trap. It is. It makes no sense because she's also supposed to be the quote unquote smart girl. The adult one. Yeah. She's the one telling Dempsey to grow up all the time. And she's making these decisions. But then... And again, remember, he's an actual duke that asked you to marry him, and maybe you kind you of bend some of your own rules in that case. You can't break the rules, Mark. That's a central <laughs> thing in this movie. Yeah. I mean, if a duke just asked me to marry them, and they were also not just a duke, but really rich, you might start to, like, fool yourself into thinking you love them. Yeah. So anyway, she asks him to be her maid of honor she's like you're my best friend i want you to be my maid of honor i want you to be there for me with my wedding and he's like poop i was gonna tell you i like you he doesn't say that but that's what he's thinking yeah deep within his crushed heart he is broken and he says he'll have to think about it right and that brings us to point number three where Patrick Dempsey, the maid of honor, is helping plan this wedding in and the all United of the States. events on the U.S. side, right? And they and have like it's two one of his weeks friends to get ready. His friend, who's in a committed relationship, yeah. is like, "Dude, you should do it because it's going to be easier to sabotage this wedding from the inside than from the outside." And he's like, "Be the maid of honor and like show her all the reasons that you're great and that she shouldn't really get with this Colin dude that she doesn't really know that well." So this part, I was just like. Is it skeevy or is it not? I can't tell. It is hard to tell. It's hard to tell. This one isn't a 
rom-com plot where I'm like, well, this is just straight up immoral. Right. This one's a bit grayer. You can understand it, and you can even understand even if he weren't trying to get with her, maybe trying to slow the wedding down. Yeah. Being like, isn't this the right move this quickly? Duke or no? Yeah. And he also doesn't find out that Colin is a duke until they get to Scotland. Right. Or no, before that. Because that's why he can't meet with the minister. Right. Because he has to go petition the Grand Council to allow him to marry a commoner. Right. So in the midst of all this, Tom is helping Hannah plan all these events. He has to meet with the other bridesmaids, including Busy Phillips, who is very angry that she's not the maid of honor. Yeah, so Busy Phillips is a cousin, but like based on childhood photos you see later, they were very close. Right. More like sisters. And Busy Phillips, since age five, has wanted to be Hannah's maid maid of of honor. honor. And she also slept with Patrick Dempsey, who never called her again. And she was living. And Patrick Dempsey's like, we said we were just having fun. So I guess it wasn't that. It was like... She got feelings for him, and he did not reciprocate. And, and she's then she was still mad. livid. She, like, yeah. calls him a misogynist all the time. Yeah. And she winds up sabotaging the sh- wedding shower that he throws. Yeah. Because she gives him a business card and is like, yo, I want Hannah to have a good wedding shower. She really liked this person, Sharon, who yeah. performed at someone else's wedding shower. And he's like, cool. And he calls Sharon to come, apparently, without looking into what her deal is. Yeah. So I mean, he, it's like, I guess he trusts in the goodness of Busy Phillips looking out for her friend. Which was a mistake. It was a mistake. Because Busy Phillips cares more about messing with Tom. Yeah. She's great at this. She's awesome. Busy Phillips is always great. So we see a couple of different things. Like one day Hannah's like, hey, can you entertain Colin while I'm with my mom? And Tom is like, yeah, sure. And takes him to play basketball. And at first Colin's like, oh, I don't really know how to play this game. And they're all schooling him. And Tom is like deliberately fouling him, like slapping him in the face and stuff. Yeah. Well, first he says that in Scotland, we call this netball and it's a girl's game. Which is a true thing. Is that Yeah, netball is a real UK game, a real game in the UK. And it is primarily played by women. Okay. I had no idea if that was true or not. I did some Wikipedia research. Yeah, so they're playing, and then they realize that he can dunk, and he just dunks the basketball sometimes, and then they win. And, and then, then they, take they go showers. to the showers, and they discover that he has got a um, a he, caber of magnificent size. He's well endowed. Yes. and <laughs> Nobody can caber toss quite like he can. It's really creepy, because it's like... Six guys are just, just staring, staring at, at him his dick in the shower. Openly in the showers. And he doesn't react. No, I would have been like stands there. He just stands there, like keeps pouring more soap in his hand and rubbing it on his chest. I would have been like, uh okay. He's very confident. I mean, yeah. Apparently he deserves it. Yeah. So another day we see that Tom and Hannah go to visit the minister who's going to be saying her wedding. It's a minister that she's known her whole life. And the minister's like, why don't you tell me stuff about you and Colin so that I can work it into the ceremony? And Tom is like, oh yeah, like dig deep. Identify specific things that you really know and like about him. Basically, we, the audience, understand that he's like, you don't really know Colin that well. And she is able to say like, oh, you know, it was love at first sight and is somehow at a loss to say anything else about Colin. Which is a bad sign and also unrealistic, honestly. They did spend six weeks together, at least. Four weeks. Four weeks. Meanwhile, Tom is just dazzling them both with his deep knowledge of Hannah and like what she cares about and things that excite her. It is touching how much he knows. Like he knows her favorite painter. Yeah, he's a good friend. He is a good friend. But he's using this also to try to be like, I know you better than he ever will and so love me (laughs) so this does bring us next to the shower he has a night where he spends it with his friends making gift baskets and there's one instead of poker night instead of poker night there's one guy who's like i can't do this at all i'm so manly i can't even touch a ribbon and leaves while the other his other friends are good friends are good friends and help him and actually are making decisions and stuff and i was like this is the one moment in the movie where toxic masculinity is not prized and femininity isn't the butt of a joke worth noting they do lean into the dirtbagness of that one friend who bails because he's the one who has a private investigator that he gets to look into colin to try to find dirt on him he's the divorce lawyer on retainer for his father's lawyer yeah so after that they have the shower the Oh, in the midst of all this, Tom and his buddies at one point have this big, like, call and response chant where they're like, what are we gonna do? Steal the bride! Oh, yeah, I hated that. It's really weird. Did not like. That's another laugh line, Mark. That's a, that's a joke. Ha ha ha. So we're at the shower. He's doing annoying things like playing Scottish music too loud and serving haggis. Yeah, haggis hors d'oeuvres. And then he's like, oh, Colin recommended this music. 
And then the Sharon lady or whatever her name is shows up and sets up the one Busy Phillips told him to call who reads tarot cards. But that's not what she does. And Tom says, oh, this was my idea. I heard you really liked it at your friend's bachelorette party. And she was like, I didn't go to that person's bachelorette party or shower or something. And this is where we find out that Sharon actually is a sex toy sales lady. Yeah. So she opens up her box and the entire thing starts buzzing. Yeah. And Hannah's upset. She starts going like you know what, Tom, maybe I shouldn't have made you my maid of honor at all. Like, you don't believe in marriage. This was probably wrong. And he's like, well, maybe I do believe in marriage now. So she clearly thought he was just trying to sabotage the shower as a joke or something. Her grandma ends up with two anal beads strands that like magnetize together or something and also light up yeah those show up later glow in the dark thunder beads (laughs) yeah so you left at that i laughed at it retelling it (laughs) um it kind of was funny to see them actually glowing in the dark it's funny because the way that it lights the grandma from (laughs) beneath it makes her look like a witch yeah which is funny um the friends then get together again to create a new wave of strategies they're like look Colin is a great dude. We're not going to get her to be like, wait, Colin is actually awful. We've got to get her to realize that you're even better. And so they start coming up with new strategies. They get, this I actually liked, a like really crappy Elizabeth Hasselbeck DVD on how to plan a wedding. Yeah. It's like a lovely 2008 touch. Right. And it's really her like doing this DVD. Right. They got Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Yeah. They wind up quizzing him on wedding stuff during basketball practice where they're asking him like how to plan stuff. But then they're like, what are you going to do at the reception? And he's like, there's not going to be a reception because that means she got married and they're like that's right that's our boy and so then he goes and he dazzles her with his new knowledge they shop for flatware and yeah and he's like juggling dishes which is an actual thing patrick dempsey learned to do as a street performer and then they go lingerie shopping which is weird it's like she's like oh you can help me pick out lingerie and he's like Maybe not. And she's like, no, no, do it. You've seen lots of lingerie. Yeah. She was like, no one's more qualified for this than you. And he's like, I guess that's fair. And then while she's like getting dressed, he's like, you know, being a maid of honor has like really opened my eyes to marriage. I think marriage is like maybe a better thing than I thought. And she's like, oh, have you met someone? And he's like, no. This brings me to my biggest question about this movie. What kind of lingerie store has see-through curtains on the dressing rooms? There's see-through curtains on the dressing rooms. He's watching her change. We can see him, like, kind of seeing her through the curtain, and it's very creepy. I am not a fan of it. I was like, if there's one store that shouldn't have even remotely see-through curtains that should have full doors, it is lingerie. Yeah, it's creepy. It's weird. I hated it. Not a fan. And then shortly after that, she reveals that she's actually going to be moving to Scotland permanently. Which again, who waits until the day before you're moving to tell your best friend that you're moving across an ocean? Right. And she tells him like, oh, you know, you were amazing today. You're always amazing. I'll see you there for the wedding. She is a bad friend. He is a better friend than Hannah. Yeah. And so he's like brooding now. He's like, great, what's happening? Like now she's going to be gone from the country. She's going to be across an ocean. Yeah. He's like wandering through. There's one dog that he doesn't say I love you to. You know why? It's a Scotty. It's a Scotty. And a West Highland Terrier, which is also a Scottish dog. Right. Which I thought was funny. They have Scottish names too. Yeah. I remember one of them was Callum. I don't remember what the other one was. Callum was the Scotty. And I don't remember the other one either. I thought it was a nice touch that they only talk about the Scotty, but the other dog was the other, like, Scottish terrier. And so those dogs, he does not love. Yeah. (laughs) No love for Scotland. He goes to visit Sidney Pollock, who tells him that he'd only been in love once with his best friend, but he was a coward. And that best friend was Tom's mom. I don't really understand what this means. It was a completely unnecessary scene that makes no sense. This Was that his first wife? Unclear. And then they had Tom and then she left? I think so. It doesn't make sense. He makes it out to be, like, the same situation that Tom's in. And I was like, clearly it's not because you must have had sex with her. Right. I don't know. What he does is he tells Tom, he's like, go get her. And that brings us to point number four. He's still the maid of honor, but now he's in Scotland. Yeah, so they fly across the ocean. Then they have to take a bus through the, or a jeep almost, through the highlands. And then they have to take a boat to the castle. Or no, then they take a boat and then another car to the castle. Right. This is in the wilderness. Which also, I'm kind of just like, why was the boat necessary? The lake didn't look that big. No. I don't know. Because you get to put him on a boat because then later on you can need them to be at a place where they can't just take a car so that he can, spoiler, steal a horse. Right. 
There is a cute dog on the boat, too. There is. There's a sheep dog. He tells him he loves it. Yeah. Now, probably the biggest thing that happens in this, they're still planning the wedding. At one point, he sees Hannah in this hairdo that is quite bad. Yeah, it has lots of leaves in it. Yeah, and... He's preparing to be honest, because that's what he does, and be like, this looks ridiculous. Yeah. And then the other bridesmaids are like, no, no, you've just got to support her. Just go along with it. And he's like, you look good. Yeah. It doesn't sound convincing at all. And then the current duchess, I'm guessing, because mm-hmm. he's actually the heir, Colin, is pinning this, you know, sash of the family tartan tartan sash, yeah. onto the wedding Which I dress. I don't think looks that bad. And the mom is aghast, and I was like, that looks really nice. I like it. I thought it was great. Especially if you're going to marry someone who has a family tartan, you should wear that. Yeah, I thought the sash looked really nice. Yeah. I the have hair... other quibbles with the dress. I don't like the, her wedding dress. No, me neither. Because it's like a very plain body, but it's got these weird lace sleeves that don't match it at all. Yeah, it has the lace, like, hat, weird sweater that's just sleeves. Yeah, and it doesn't match the rest of the dress it looks really bad but the sash looks really nice yeah that's the only part that is nice so what we then discover is that because this is a wedding in scotland according to tradition we will be holding highland games and the women will all be dressed in medieval headdresses and yeah like renaissance garb it's weird and so they're all gonna be playing games they're like yes in tradition to have a wedding you would do this and they would show feats of strength and if the man could not succeed then he would not get to get married and there's like a little bit where you're like is this movie gonna have tom win these games and then get to marry hannah and it like wouldn't have surprised me i yeah i didn't really think that i knew he would lose because at this point they've made no effort to actually turn you against colin at all right and it continued and then as a joke melissa or busy phillips makes tom wear a mini kilt so he has like his leg showing and at one point they do a weird undershot where you see his tidy whities yeah it was very strange it's weird what's weird to me about this is there are hundreds of people at these highland games yeah so there's hundreds of people which had to have been thrown together in less than two weeks well he's a duke so that means he has a bunch of vassals who farm his lands and they're not allowed to leave i think you're thinking of serfs right that's who I, are a little bit better than that. That's true. So that's who I assume is brought to these Highland Games is the family serfs because everyone else, like, there probably aren't that many people within a hundred mile radius of yeah. this castle in the middle of nowhere. I hope that if she had stayed with Colin, then Maid of Honor 2 would be about the peasant uprising against Colin's family. I'm into it. But yeah, so Tom competes in these games. He and Colin are tied they're the final two and then they get to the caber tossing yeah and then colin does great because he's actually trained for this and then tom doesn't and throws his caber onto a car and everyone's like oh no so colin wins the games in the meantime we see other things like there's a rehearsal dinner where colin doesn't share his dessert with hannah which is a thing she always did with tom and that's literally the one time they make an effort to make colin not perfect yeah Uh, we find out he killed all the meat which she's like weirdly against She's not against eating meat. Yeah. She just doesn't like that he killed it all. She That one, she looks kind of thrown more yeah. than, like, against it. But when he doesn't share his cake, and he does share, he just prefers to, like, take a piece off and then give it to her. Right. Instead of having her, like, dive into, into it. it. That's when she's like, <gasps> I am aghast. What am I doing with my life? At this point, we also see Hannah's mom show up with a photo album. She's like, I wanted to give you a piece of home. And they're flipping through and she's like, oh, you know, I wish dad could be here. He was always worried I wouldn't get married. And his mom's like, no, he wasn't. He just assumed you were going to marry Tom. Yeah, because men and women can't be friends. A message this movie is supporting. Which is a shame because they're such good friends. They are. Anyway, Tom grabs her and is like, let's go for a walk and work on your vows. And this is basically him like trying to find ways to like tell her he's into her. Yeah, he's trying. He can't find the time because she's busy because she's the bride. Right. And even at this point when he's like giving her material for vows while like holding her hand and it's like this is when it's going to happen then they're interrupted by other people who are coming because they're like it's the night before the wedding we have to go into town and party with you and like have people give you money for kisses. There's a, this weird tradition where she has to wear a hat and hold a pot and then if you put money in the pot you get to kiss her and this leads to Tom putting a bunch of money in the pot and then making out with her with tongue and everything. Yeah, like an extended makeout. And then they drop the pot and then, oh no, they have to like clean up the money and realize what a mistake she's made. Right. And so they go back to their separate rooms of the castle and they're both like thinking about what's going on. And we see- Also, her mom is the only one that sees this. Right. And that is not mentioned again. No. And we see Hannah leave her room 
to go where? I don't know. And then Busy Phillips shows up at, well, we get a knock at Tom's room and we're like, yeah. maybe it's Hannah, but it's Busy Phillips. And she's like, my life is a mess. Let's have sex again. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I am making healthy choices. Yeah, poor Busy Phillips. She's, yeah. She's got some issues. But so she's trying to like make Tom have sex with her. And so she's like on top of him on the bed. He's like trying to fight her off. They're kind of like thrashing around. And Hannah comes to his room and sees that and thinks they're in Bone Town. And so then she leaves upset. And Tom like throws Busy Phillips off and runs after her and goes to her door. And they're talking through the door because she won't let him in. And he's like, don't marry him. Be with me instead. But she won't open the door. And so he asks her, like, what about that kiss? Why did you come to my room? And then she's talking. And she's like, are we doing this now because you're afraid of losing me as a friend? Right. So she doesn't actually believe that he's in love with her. She thinks that he's scared of losing her as a friend, which I think is kind of a fair point. Yeah, it's valid. She doesn't know. But like what triggered it was when she was gone, he was like, you know what? What I am missing is more than what I realized I was going to be missing. Right. He has that realization before he knows she's engaged. Right. So then... This brings us to point number five. The wedding day. The day of the wedding. Tom has left. Because he's running away. He can't be there for the wedding. She tells Colin that they had a fight. And we that, see him leave. You no, know, she tells him like, oh, we had a fight because he's going to miss me. Yeah. And Colin's kind of like, oh, they're there. And he, we see him leaving. He takes the car and he takes the boat. And he's in the second car. And then he sees a dog. Yeah. And he's out of the car. And he's petting the dog. And he's like, thanks. I love you too. And then he turns around to go back. Because he realized if he can say it to a dog, he can say it to Hannah because he actually has not said it to her at this point. No. And so he goes back and he gets to the car, but he misses the ferry to where the church is. And he's like, where's the next ferry? And the guy's like, oh, the ferry's going to stay there until after the wedding. And he's like, crap, what am I going to do? The car won't get around in time. What other way can I use that won't require going on the roads? And then a truck just pulls up that has a horse in the back. And he's like, I'm taking this horse. Yeah, and then he rides the horse because, he rides it you know, all the way around. what an easy thing to do is just learn how to ride a horse at full gallop right away. And he rides it all the way around, and the horse is galloping, and it hits this fence near the church, just runs straight into it, which is a thing that horses frequently do. Yeah. Tom is launched off the horse and through the doors of the church. Flat on his face. Flat on his face. Again, the doors burst physical open. comedy, so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Physical comedy can be funny. The thing is, the only physical comedy in this movie is Tom falling down. No, yeah, that's what I'm trying to point out. Physical comedy can be great. Yeah. Worth in noting, this case, it is not. Just like Shrek, he bursts in right at the I object moment in this wedding. Yeah. And Actually, I don't think Shrek does. He just bursts in yelling, I object. That's true. They miss it. Yeah. Because they're throwing Donkey up and down. Yeah. So one thing I do like is that he doesn't immediately jump up. He is briefly knocked out. Yeah. And so then Hannah's like, oh my god, what's happening? Why did you burst through a door? And he's like, your hair looks bad and the sash is dumb. I'm being honest. Ugh. And then he says that he's been lying to himself. And he says possibly the grossest line in the movie. He says, ten years ago, I got in bed with the wrong girl. She turned out to be the right one. I hate this movie. This movie is repulsive. This movie is so bad. So then she kisses him. Colin punches him in the face. Also worth noting, he tells her he loves her. Oh, yeah. He says it to a human. He says it to a human. She kisses him. Colin punches him in the face. Cut to they're married. The end. Yay, they get married in New York. And that's the end of that. Oh, and then, well, they get married in New York, and then we see the two of them in bed. Oh, I purposefully repressed memory of this moment he turns on the light again and he says i'm just making sure i got in bed with the right girl this time and she's like you did and then they bring back the monica bill reference and that's how they decide to end this movie it's like, oh bill oh monica it's like what the heck yeah it's so creepy oh this movie all right I, I watched this and i was like this is 2008 this is right around the time that we're gonna see fewer rom-coms going forward and i was like Maybe rom-coms deserved to die for a while. Yeah. Maybe we have idealized them in our memory and then we needed a reset. Yeah. God. Well, what did you think of this relationship, Mark? So, this is a horrible movie, but I wouldn't say the relationship is unbelievable. Yeah. So this is going to They're be, such good friends. Like, they are really good, good friends. friends. They do have, like, they have such an established routine with each other and all that where it's Like, that is a friendship that could transition into love, believably. Yeah. The biggest problems with the romance are how it begins in 1998. And I don't believe that Hannah would get engaged that quickly. Right. It seems wholly out of character for her. Yeah. So that's just like, those are the hurdles. It's not the hurdle of them 
getting together. Like, right. That part f- feels fine. That beginning is so rough, though. Why does she let him hang around her room? Why would she talk to him after? Just be like, get out. I'm going back to sleep. Yeah. I hate when people interrupt my sleep, too. That's one of my, like, cardinal sins. It's horrific. So where are we going to rate this out of 10 points? Zero is know. totally unbelievable. 10 is, I believe, all of it. It's better than middle. It's better than middle. Maybe even a seven. That's certainly the highest it can go. That's the highest it can go. Yeah. Because their relationship is so strong and well done. The dialogue is all crap. This movie has no subtlety. And that plays into the believability because they lay the whole relationship out on the table where you see every part of why they deserve to be together. I guess it's a seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you think Tom and Hannah are dateable? Hannah would be if she was not given such weird characteristics. I think Hannah is. I think Hannah is. Tom is not. It throws me off that she would get engaged after a month. Right. Tom's got that coffee collar money. Yeah. But I would say Hannah's definitely dateable. Tom probably not. No. Um, if you had to pick one person in the movie to date, who would it be? I'm worried you want to say Busy Phillips, but no. that's a bad choice. No, I don't want to date Melissa. I do want to date Busy Phillips. Okay. There's a difference there. Um, I wasn't going to say her. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, who are the characters of this movie? There are the other bridesmaids. The other bridesmaids and his friends. The other basketball players. Colin. Colin. Maybe Colin. Colin, as Hannah says, he's the perfect guy, just not the perfect guy for her. Yeah. There's, like, actually, they do not give him flaws, so why not? He does not share his cake. He doesn't share his cake. I would go with Hannah. I think I would date Hannah. I mean, she does work at the Met, and he did get to walk into, like, a cool restoration room just by being her friend, so that is a perk. Yeah. Do you think that Tom and Hannah would stay together? maybe but i can also see a world where tom cheats on her and it ends all crashing down and tom just falls into the pattern set by his father that's possible i don't think he will he also like clearly does not approve of his father doing that that is not a fan of it right so i think they would stay together yes they have that really strong friendship yeah i think i think i can see him staying together yeah i want to believe in love even if this movie tried its hardest to make (laughs) this movie Ugh. okay let's get out of this yeah I think that's it. Yeah. Now, of course, Mark, you are going to be a maid of honor. Now, are you going to spell it M-A-D-E or M-A-I-D? Oh, man. I'm going to have to not associate myself with this awful film. So M-A-I-D. So M-A-I-D. Okay. So what that means is you will not be with us next week. I know. I will be very upset, but I'm sadly going to have to miss an episode. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive we've done 41 episodes without missing one. Yeah. We have done... Very successfully up to this point. And to be honest, I'm actually traveling. Will's traveling one week, and then I'm traveling for like four weeks straight. So the fact that I'm only missing one episode is pretty great. This is our sixth episode we recorded in six days. Yeah. Ending it with this movie was (laughs) agonizing. I know. So anyway, even though Mark will not be here, we will still have a new episode. I'm going to be joined by not one, but two special guests as we return to the streets of San Francisco, where we... Went first for Vertigo. But this time, the love of our lives, Midge! Midge. Ugh, Midge. Anyway, um, we're going once again to San Francisco for an exploration of the pizza-driven love, The Princess Diaries. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps other people to discover the show. Last question, William. What is the best piece of advice you got from this movie? Ride around on a horse in thunderstorms, and sooner or later, you'll meet a girl who will marry you. My advice, be born into royalty. That also works. (laughs) Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay, so between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye!